BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Thanks for joining us for another edition of Take Two, a beautiful sunshiny day, and I feel like I have excitement coursing through my veins. Uh, we've got, I almost called you Greg DeBacchus. That would be Greg Hughes, Jim <laughs> oh, DeBacchus. No. We're not uh, making you or your names mate today, but I've been excited since I woke up at five this morning to an earthquake, which we haven't had for a while. Greg, you felt it at your house, right? I did. My dog wanted to fight that earthquake. He, she got up and was really concerned. It re actually, I've not lived through one or been through one where it woke me out of a sound sleep and our, our home was shaking pretty, uh, uh, and so, yeah, I, it, your mind wanders and it was going on for a little bit and uh, then it stopped. There were two this morning, and, but that was new for me. I've not had one that I could hear outside. It sounded like almost like a roar and my house shook quite, quite a bit. Yeah, we're talking about a 3.8. It was centered in Bluffdale. So basically anyone in the south end of Salt Lake County and probably the northern end of Utah County felt it. Got our hearts thumping. Jim, you missed out on the fun, but if you were laying in bed this morning, we were thinking, do I need more uh, insurance possibly for an earthquake? Am I prepared? Should I have hid under my bed? You say that we're not actually prepared for this. Look, I, I'm saying I'm not one of those people that actually believes that there are consequences for political stances. <laughs> but Riverton and Northern Utah County, I mean, uh, if, if, if I did believe that, I would understand this legislative session Stop. and how it's working. Okay, but I don't believe that. I, I didn't have that experience, but uh, a few months ago, the head of the seismology uh, department at the at the University of Utah took me to Fault Line Park, which is in downtown Salt Lake, and she said, "Look, if you would have been here 546 years ago, right in front of you, the land would have dropped 15 feet, just like that." And I said, "Whoa!" And then she said, "What we did is we dug down." eight or 10,000 years, and there, like a road map, there was exact moments of where earthquakes came and how thick they were. Because when, when the land drops that far, all, of, this, the lines, the all of the stuff comes rolling down in and it fills the hole up. So she, I said, okay, how often do they come? And she said, they come every 450 to 550 years. So when is the next big one going to come to Salt Lake? She said, we're 25 years overdue. I mean, this is something we ought to take seriously. I, you know, I think you're right. I think that's why you see so much of the, the seismic work being done on our major buildings. Yeah. Uh, and, and our state capital has gone through that renovation. Uh, our, our city buildings have. Uh, so certainly it's on our minds. I think that for me, you know, at the end of the night, I, I lock the doors at the house because if someone comes through, I'm the one that needs to... Well, you know, find out what's going on. So I, I make sure doors are locked and everything at night. So I'm laying there when this earthquake is going on, thinking to myself, what is the, you know, if this gets more violent, if something happens. And I found myself not feeling like I was as prepared as I should be or f that my family should be. Well, we got a legislative session right now. To the extent that our policymakers uh, have talked about emergency preparedness, we have a fund that we used to set money aside for. 
Um, I really hope that's, that an incident like this where your mind does start to race, uh, that it does uh, spur some of these conversations and some of the things, Jim, that you've pointed out, that we are in Utah, we are in a place where we can expect at some point there's going to be a, a significant seismic uh, event. And we need to be prepared. Look, we're Utah. We're, U- we, we're a prepared community. We talk about being prepared. We are. Food storage, you name it. We are. That's kind of in our DNA. I think we got to, I, I at least feel like we, I have to step it up after this morning. Absolutely. I put chocolate chips like another case of them on my list because if something happens <laughs> and I'm trapped at home, I need something to cope. So, yeah, all right. So a little wake up call, another wake up call we've got going on right now. We are averting another government shutdown, which is good here in Utah. We have a large, um, I guess, workforce up in Ogden in the area there that works for the federal government. That's good news. The president, though, is looking like he's going to declare a national emergency. The big question is, should he be able to do that to build a wall? Billions of dollars. I'm guessing you have something to say about this. I'm so excited. President Elizabeth Warren or whoever (laughs) the next president is, now the presidents don't have to listen to Congress anymore. They can just take any money that's appropriated and spend it anywhere they want, anytime they want. And that whole legislative blah, blah, blah is just superfluous to policy. So President Warren or whoever the Democrat is. Of all the 20 people who are running, I'm surprised that you picked her as your president. It wouldn't matter. Suddenly student loans all paid. The Second Amendment, it's a dangerous situation. We're doing away with that. There are so many things. National health policy, the president just can declare it and it doesn't matter what congress says and it doesn't matter what debate is there the president can just do whatever he wants and ignore congress give me a break donald trump so you don't want your president whoever your next president is that's a democrat to be able to do the same thing i'm saying if the trump doctrine is there yeah and the president by fiat can just ignore the will of congress despite the pain in the butt that it is then we're on the road that the Republicans are going to have to live with. And you know what? They're not going to like that road, I promise yeah. so, you. So is he going to do it first? I think I think he will. I, I think, and, and I, I don't discount everything that Jim just said, but let's just be clear. Executive orders have been going on a lot, and I would argue that President Obama broke through the glass ceiling of executive orders. Mm-hmm. I even heard Harry Reid, when he was still Senate Democrat Senate uh, president, complain about his own... President, President Obama, and how much he used the executive order process to get things done. We have presidents that have deployed troops in areas uh, yeah. around the world. Uh, Jim makes it sound like it's something that's never been contemplated ever. We do have to be concerned about what kind of powers, executive powers, and, and how far-reaching that is. But I will tell you this. How much can this president attempt to work with the Congress to lay out the critical issues. That is not a border-to-border wall, by the way. That is 200 miles of repair or putting the wall in place. The the $7.8 billion is decimal dust when you look at the budget as a whole. You have legislative leaders, Democrat leaders, who, when it was a different administration, supported border security that would include the kind of wall barriers and, 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 and stru- structures that yeah. the President uh, Trump is looking at. And yet this Congress does nothing. We went through a government shutdown that came at a price. We had a window of opportunity to have people come together and find common ground. The Democrats refused to even meet. At what point, when you know there are things happening and it is, and there is danger and there is crime and there is a problem with that border, at what point uh, d- does it justify uh, doing something about it? I think that he's 
done all he can before uh, going this this route but I think so I think he's tried but I think at the end of the day he has a responsibility for the people especially those that live along that border and the type of people that are making it across to do something about it. The immigration system has been broken for a long time so Greg going back to you for just a second here though should he not have done that when he had control for two years of both houses to some extent he didn't have super majorities but he at least had more Republicans. Yeah I think I think he is as frustrated probably he's probably more frustrated than than we are watching this in that uh, yeah, you had that window of two years. But remember, in the Senate, you didn't have 60 votes in the Senate. If you don't have 60 votes in the Senate, it's, you don't have control of the Senate because that's what it takes to stop a filibuster. So you need 60. You can have a majority in the Senate, but if you don't have 60, those Democrats can still stop it. That's what happened, and even in the tail end, before when we knew that the Congress and U.S. House of Representatives was going to change, the, they, the Republican Congress uh, tried to pass some legislation to the Senate but you didn't have uh, Chuck Schumer, Senator Schumer, the Democrat, or other Democrats that could get you to that 60 to get it passed. So it wasn't laid completely at the feet of Republicans. You still needed Democrats to find common ground, of which there's no desire. They are in full campaign mode where they don't want to see Donald Trump serve a second term. And anything that would look like common ground or agreement, they are going to, they're going to repel and they're going to run away from. And it's the people are the ones that pay for that. All right, Jim, I can feel you like steaming over here. President Obama, when he was running for office himself, was very strong worded on immigration, maybe even a border wall. So why are Democrats so opposed to this right now? Is it really all political? Do we not need a wall? Look, there's a difference between an executive order and declaring a national emergency. And that's what Trump is doing. All of this, wah, 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 Congress is bad to the president. You know what? Show me a president that hasn't complained about that. That's just the way it is. That's good policy. That's what Congresses are supposed to do. Tip they are Ronald supposed Reagan. to keep an good. eye on what's going on and a, an, a, an executive running amok. So, fine. You want to break those barriers. You want to say Congress doesn't matter because Congress is mean to the president. So the president can spend money anywhere he wants, pull it out of any fund without Congress, without congressional approval. Fine. Let that president precedent be there. And good. Let's see what happens. All see right. how you like it. Yeah, it could be a dangerous precedent. We want to move on to some other issues of cash right now, not billions. Now we're talking millions. Senator Hatch, who is the longest serving Republican senator, is back home again. He's retiring. He wants to have not a presidential library, but maybe a senatorial house of awesomeness for himself. And he's looking for the legislature to give $2 million to that. Is that a good idea, Greg? I, you know, Senator Hatch, he's a Pittsburgh, came from Pittsburgh. That's where I hail from uh, originally. And so he's a Pittsburgh So you're boy. both not really Utahns. Yeah, we're well, carpetbaggers, I guess. He'd never <laughs> let me say that in public that we're both from Pittsburgh, by the way. He's always kind of, but look, here's, here's the reality. Okay. He served uh, this state with distinction since 1976. He has been at the epicenter of every, uh, every Senate confirmation hearing for the Senate Supreme Court and has been for decades. Uh, the, the experience that he has brought, he was, our, he was the uh, president pro tem. Three dead people away from almost being president, yeah, which is terrible right. to and say, then, which is a big know, He's deal. the guy that got a high during the State of the Union address, yeah. I guess, you know. But look, I, I don't know I if you look that. at the, I'll tell you, I don't know if you look at, look at the contribution that Senator Hatch has made, not just to Utah, but to this country. Uh, it would be a shame if Utahns and, and, and school and students didn't understand the depth of that contribution. And to the extent that the state could contribute and not pay the 
pay the whole bill, but certainly contribute to what we know would be an educational and a significant historical account. I think, it, I think it's a no-brainer. I think it's, it's, it's history in action, and I think that Utah should be very proud and understand deeply what the, the senator did serving this state and country. Can you pony up for this history knowing that Senator Hatch reached across the aisle, not in his later years, I think he does definitely made some changes, but he used to reach across the aisle with Kennedy and they actually worked together and had some common ground that isn't seen anymore. Is that worth some cash to teach people that this that can be done? This is not an argument about was Warren Hatch a good guy or a bad guy. I mean, I have my opinions, that's beside the point. The same legislature that said we've got no money to provide health care for desperately uh, in need Utah families. Say, no, nope, we don't have the dough. It's not there. That same legislature that's given back $200 million, now they suddenly have $2 million to build, help build a $40 million Taj Mahal, which is going to be more expensive than most presidential libraries to house the papers of Orrin Hatch, let him go to the lobbyists that he went to throughout his career in the pharmaceutical industry and everywhere else and let them pay for it and leave the taxpayers of the state of Utah alone. That's $2 million that the taxpayers ought not to pay. I, let Orrin pay for we it. We had this agreement that we weren't going to try and keep you know, going back and forth, but there's only there's one. No and there's so much. Right now. There's so much. There's Look, so much. We I had an agreement. I know. There's so much we could. We I could say, but I'm just gonna. There's one premise that I just have to correct for the the listeners and the, and potential viewers, whoever. Here's the deal, okay? If you have ears, listen. There maybe. is not a two million dollar gap between people that need health care and those and and the dollars that the legislature would spend that two million that 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 premise that there's two million dollars for a library but not two million dollars for people in need that is a, a false premise and in fact the bill that they passed the medicaid bill covers a hundred thousand people oh, which is everybody that does not have the health care it funds access to medicaid for them it is funded it is there and so that was that example was the one I just want to correct. There's a lot more I could, Jim, on that whole okay, spiel you just gave. Up. But I up, had to correct that. Live one. up to my to the end of the bargain. I broke the rule. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I broke the rule. He was the speaker, I need so a gavel. you know he's I need used a to being in command. He's got the gavel. Do I get a gavel. <laughs> I know. I'm going to clear up one more thing too, because one of the top things when people Google me, they want to know if Senator Hatch is my grandpa. He is not. Hatch is my married name, and I think if someone were to do my genealogy, many, many tree branches back, I think we have some commonness through my husband, but no actual Senator Hatch blood coursing through my veins. Heidi, without being inappropriate, can I take your hand? Yes. No one would think you are Warren Hatch's granddaughter. It may be great, great granddaughter, but not oh, granddaughter. Not that That's all I'm saying. Woo! All right, thank you. All right, we're going to move on to something a little more exciting. Okay. Could we get more exciting than that? Depleted uranium. I think you're blushing. I'm blushing? Yeah, I thought so. Both yeah, of us? Feel, all think, of us? Yes. Okay, so depleted uranium. Uh, the legislature wants to get ready to maybe take in some more dangerous stuff, put it out in the West Desert. Is this something we should accept? Should people who live in Tooele be worried that they're going to have one-armed babies or they're going to get cancer down the road or that we're taking all this dangerous stuff in and out of our roadways? It's uranium. Uh, I want the last word on this, but okay. I'll have to go first. Okay, but no, no, let's, I, you're going to go last. Go, yeah, yeah, you, you can go, go last. Okay, look. There is a love bond <laughs> between the legislature and Energy Solutions <laughs> that just goes beyond the normal corporate give us money lobby. Last year, the legislature gave, wrote out a check, not just for one year, 
but for all future years to energy solutions um, shareholders for 2.3 or 2.7 million dollars just because they liked it just because they wanted to and in 2010 or 11 energy solutions was involved in some very bad things they were saying that it was one level and it was another level and the state went in and had to put extra regulators on and the legislature decided you know we're gonna have the taxpayers pay for that added regulation so now after they were the number one contributor to campaigns again very special things energy solutions wants to do um, I think this is an unhealthy alliance okay but before we move on though are you okay are they doing it in a safe manner is it okay to store this here in Utah it has to go somewhere no uh, no I mean we've got now that we got rid of Harry Reid in Nevada we got a 20 billion dollar crater that we've been preparing there for years to store this stuff send it to Nevada I'm so, guessing they probably don't want it either. But Greg, I feel like you, I feel like you're ready to bury this in oh, your own backyard. I no? Am, yeah. Oh, well, oh, let me tell you this. Let me tell you. Woo! No, because I got, I got actually, I got a water table under my under my uh, house. So no, I wouldn't want to. So put it not there. in Greg's backyard. Not my backyard. But let me <laughs> okay. let me just say this. Uh, there was a debate early in my legislative career about okay. what they call B and C waste. Okay, and there's A waste, which is what Energy Solutions is allowed to store and safely. Which store. is the worst waste if people don't understand? No, that's actually the B that's and like C is worse. Worse. Okay, B so and C A is, is worse. like eh. A is this debate about depleted uranium. It sounds very draconian. It sounds like the the green stuff in the Simpsons show that Homer you know runs around and throws around. I've never seen. We're the talking. We're talking a waste still. Not even B and C. Let me tell you what B and C waste is. If you in your home look up and see a, a smoke detector and you see that glowing green light. Yeah. That's too hot to store at Energy Solutions today. That is in the B and C waste category. So when you say depl when de depleted uranium, it sounds so draconian. We're still talking about the A waste, okay? Here's what I'm gonna argue. I've heard many people, I think rightly so, concerned about climate change, our environment, global, as a global community. We know that China's cranking out more carbon than we know what to do with, and we are seeing less coal-fired power plants, and yet I still hear people say, the United States and its citizens should still do more, even if you have places like China that are not as environmentally responsible, or they're using coal and they're, using, and they're burning carbon. We as a country make waste. And until this country stops creating it, I don't know what you'd want to do responsibly, environmentally, then store it in the safest place possible. In the West Desert of Utah, we don't have a water table. You don't want to go into Ohio or in the Appalachians back in Northeast and start digging and bury it there. That's well water down there. Yeah. If we have waste and we have a place in this state where you can most safely store it, and again, we're talking the A waste. I don't know why those same people that are concerned about the global uh, our, our climate change and, and, and how we're taking care of the planet, why wouldn't you, Jim, want the safest place to store waste that everybody in this country already makes? I can't it's kind I of a question. I'll let you answer like super quick. Like, is I'm it sorry, reasonable I, I, at all? I asked reasonable, him a question. yes. Utah's done its fair share over the years. There are other places in the country, and we need to have a bond of trust and not a legislature that's bought off. Because I don't know that we're getting the facts, and I don't know that the regulation is right. I don't trust any of them. All right, rainbows and unicorns. We need a new state flag, some people say. 
Do we need a new state flag, and is the one proposed the right one for it? Jim, you get to be the first. Uh, I'll take it. The one we have now looks like a pioneer bonnet from the 1890s. It, it doesn't look it's like a seal the way. It's of some sort. Yeah, yeah. And, and even the new one isn't right. Take a look at Arizona. Take a look at New Mexico. Take a look at Colorado. We need, uh, we need something kind of bold, something that talks about Utah in the, for the next century or two. It shouldn't say Utah on it anywhere. It, it, ought, to, it, ought, to, it, it ought to make your heart swell with pride the way that arizona one you know like it's a rainbow really cool flag or, or like what do you have in mind like, <laughs> yeah, rainbow flag would be good <laughs> would be happy right <laughs> yeah way to go why <laughs> stole that from you uh, they can't stole copy. It. okay so are you okay with the new one do you want the so, old one or is this just a waste of our time funniest to talk thing. about i mean I, I served for 16 years in the legislature we never dove into this issue about the flag it, it never rose to the level of critical public policy look i mean i it, we do have a very complex flag if we're we're talking about flag design I like some of the versions that I've seen. Yeah. I think that they might be, uh, I think, more eye-catching. If, if, it's, if it's that important that people want to stare at that and give it a deliberative exercise of looking at a potential redesign, I guess. But I, what I would tell you is I think there's a lot of uh, critical things happening up at the Capitol right now. And to the extent that we need a new flag, eh, maybe okay, not but, it. But let them let them look at it. I don't know that you want to just christen a new flag in the, in a six week. No, we've period got forty five days, and yeah, sometimes right. we're passing new trees, new birds. Yeah, like Jello is our major snack. Do we really need to be talking about those? Yeah, we agree on that. Okay, yeah. so I think that um, there's one other issue I want to hit before we get out of here. There's an idea up on the Capitol Hill right now that maybe we could be splitting counties, and I don't know if this is a good idea or not. They're talking about Salt Lake and San Juan counties as the top possibility. I've always lived on the west side. I'm a little concerned that they're going to split east and west and the west kids are not going to be the cool kids like we've always been. Why do we want to do this? Who wants to go first? On I'll this? go first on this. You have last okay. part, Jim. Right. Um, I, I lived through this with the splitting of a school district, Georgia okay. school district, first yeah. school district in a hundred, new school district in a hundred years. Yeah. Uh, there was a concern that with the high growth on the west part of, the, of Salt Lake County and South Salt Lake County where I live, uh, that the, our property taxes that build schools were going there and our kids were busing further and further away. We, Riverton had a high school and two middle schools. Draper City didn't have any yeah. middle school or any high school. So there was this desire to see those, those taxes stay uh, at home or stay close to the communities that, that you live in. The West Side's interesting, Heidi, because as we see the economic growth, that growth is going to and is occurring on the west side. So instead of it being, oh, the east side wants to jettison the west side, the roles are kind of reversed. As oh, time is you'll going be on, on the wrong side of the track. The yes. east side will be on the wrong. They're built out. The west side has the greatest potential for growth. So what you'll see in that debate, at least in the Salt Lake County idea of splitting it is, the east side will go, oh, oh, oh wait a minute. We helped all this, this growth and you guys yeah. are now enjoying it. Now you want to jettison off. The difference is the politics. If you look at the politics of your east bench in Salt Lake County, and I don't know the politics in, in rural Utah where they're talking about uh, the county splitting yeah. there, but I can't speak to Salt Lake County. You have, uh, you have different uh, politics. And so that's where I think this this discussion. When you about say different, you mean red versus Republican, blue, Republican yeah, Republicans versus and Democrats. Democrats. And yeah. so you're, you're you're seeing that kind of that that chasm, and I think that's what's fueling the desire to potentially split. Um, I, I don't have opinion on whether you should. I actually think the county needs to to work and keep it strong, but I can certainly understand why those that are on the west side of Salt Lake County. I uh, feel they need stronger representation or th with all that growth, maybe a, a, a stronger eye to that growth. So you'd be in favor or not in favor of splitting? Um, well, I live on the east side, so I'm not in favor. So no, no. <laughs> uh, no but I, you know, look, I think that 
I would like to see the county stay as it is, but I have I have a lot of understanding and empathy why they'd want want to see that split and you know let let that debate go on. That's what's beautiful about the Capitol uh, and its its members. It'll be a robust debate. All I right, they'll figure it out. Jim, do you want like a Democratic and Republican county here, or no, of course what do you not. want? No. Look, you know, the Republicans are so smug <laughs> and they have been in power for so long. They just don't get this give and take of a body that could actually have to persuade somebody. And Salt Lake County is a pretty neutral place. That you know, the, the mayor Congress. could be a Republican. <laughs> um, the mayor, the council could be in Republican hands or Democratic hands. And so you've got people, particularly on the southwest part of Salt Lake County, that just don't understand this. What is this? We're not in control. We can't go behind closed doors. We can't decide everything. We've got to sit there and we've got to listen to Democrats. It's this hysteria that's causing them to say, we want to split off. We want to be like Utah County and all the other places. We can't stand this idea of a democracy. You know what? Salt Lake County is, has good things happening because of that balance. And so when you find the legislature coming in and grabbing uh, a huge portion of, of Salt Lake City because they want control of their territory or now they're trying to get Brickyard away from Salt Lake City, you find these Republicans that are in control wanting to control everything and they just can't stand it. And this is just one more domino in that, hey, we, we want to control everything and if we don't have the voters, we want to change the way that things are set up so that it won't just be Salt Lake County, but it will be our little special Salt Lake uh, County that we can control. Bad, bad idea. I like how the mountains encircle us and we're all just one big happy family, so I hope they leave That's it. That's right. Hey, is there anything we can agree on when we leave? Uh, the legislature did kill a bill that was a little a lot controversial with the transgenders and being able to change a birth certificate. At this point, it looks like that's not going to happen where they're going to stop them from being able yeah. to change who they are. Is that a good thing? Yeah, I, look, it's it's just, I, I think we, we're living in a, a time where things are changing. I mean, just the, our mores, our, our understanding of of the challenges, the biases, the, you know, I just think it's 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 best left. I don't know there's a policy answer that was being pursued. I don't think there's a, there's a law you can make right now that clears things up that there's a really a, a, a deeper national dialogue going on right now. And so I just say, let this, let society kind of figure out where it is. I got to be honest with you, some of this that we talk about uh, in terms of gender identification, gen how you identify if you're a male or a female, it's not something that I'm familiar with. I don't, it's not an area where I, as a, pol as a former policymaker, I could that I understand, I even understand. There's more open conversations. The world's not as black and white as we I, used to think. Greg, there, that, that kind of attitude is, is what makes a good world, I might say. And I agree with you. Something happened last week behind closed doors, and I'm usually not in favor of closed doors. <laughs> These at the doors, Capitol. you know the Capitol's had doors for 102 <laughs> years, right? Yeah. There's always been doors, but, but you, you know, never doors open doors. and close, though, yes. Greg. Yeah. Your office had doors. <clears throat> so a 14 year old young man named Dex went in and talked to the sponsor of this bill. This bill would have said, no judge may allow anybody to change their gender on their birth certificate. Terrific young man from Northern Utah. He went in and sat down with Senator Okerlund, who I think has as big a heart as anybody in the legislature from Monroe and the representative from Tooele, who was the sponsor mm -hmm. of the bill. This young man sat down and said, look, 
this is who I am. This is who I've always been. And yet as a 14 year old, whenever I take a statewide test, this gender pops up. And when I get my driver's license, it's there and look at me. So it's he always the has wrong, to explain himself. It's the wrong gender and teasing comes up every time in an explanation. And I think what happened in that closed room, growth came. And these two men said, you know, we never looked at it from that perspective. And a lot of times, that's how the best legislation is made. Yeah, if I could just give an example, um, there was a, the Obama administration had put out a, a directive, maybe even an executive order, that was instructing our public schools to accommodate uh, gender-neutral bathrooms. The reason why that was, and it got a lot of attention. It and did, everybody yeah. Everybody was talking, and it, and it began the, down the road of, can uh, a guy walk into a girl's locker room? because they say they're declaring that they identify as a female. And, and could that, even that policy be abused and all those things. To, an example similar to Jim's, there are students who are struggling in a very private way, but a very difficult way with things that are going on in their lives. And the more you politicize it, the more you try to say, we're gonna make this giant policy and we're gonna put in neon lights, gender neutral bathroom for those that, don't ha that are having these problems. You know, those families, those, those students, you're putting them politically in a place where they don't want to be because they already have some of these struggles they're going through. And usually what my experience is, is that these challenges are handled, as Jim described, discreetly, yeah. privately, where conversations can be shared, solutions can be found. But when you put the neon lights around it, and I would say this bill did that, but I would say the Obama administration did it probably with good intent, but they were doing it too by trying to create these big expansive policies and, def and definitions, uh, I think it, it, it takes, you don't take the people, that, especially our young people that are struggling with these things, we're not taking their issues uh, to heart as much as we should. We um, both agree, let judges decide. I love that. Right? All um, right, so more listening, less talking. We did a lot of talking today. Hope you enjoyed listening to us. Thanks so much for joining us for now. Episode number three of Take Two. We'll see you three next week. On Take Two.